So I celebrated a birthday this week, uh, June 2nd. Yeah, it's okay. You can clap. Birth- Birthdays aren't that exciting once you're into your 30s. Really, once you're past 25 and you can get a rental car at the normal rate, there's nothing exciting about your birthdays. I mean, isn't it ridiculous we get excited about that? I can save money on my rental car. Like, that's such a grown-up thing. And that's how, how birthdays tend tend to go. And, you know, you, you don't get dinosaur toys anymore when you're into your 30s, uh, when, when you get presents. And as we've been, you know, we have a 13-year-old as our oldest child, and we have four kids. And so really what I like for my birthday is, is just sleep. Like, that's, <laughs> that's just... Yeah, and so what, what I end up getting for my birthday is me and my wife will go away, we'll go out of town, go stay at a hotel where we get a full night's uninterrupted sleep, and that's generally what I love to get for my birthday, and that's what I got this year, so I'm very happy about that. Um, but my, my girls worked really hard on making a cake for me on my birthday. I mean, they, all my favorite things were in it, mint Oreo, like it, it, was, it was excellent. But as we're sitting there having cake and family dinner, uh, my son who just turned five, you know, preschool age, he looked around the table and he got a little panicked for a minute. And he's like, guys, we forgot dad's presents because there were no wrapped presents on the table. And he was just literally like a little bit like, oh no, like what have we done? We've ruined dad's birthday. And he, he actually went and made me a little card that, that he wrote dad on, which for a preschooler is pretty amazing in my opinion. And he, he interpreted it to me that it says, dad, I love you. Happy birthday. And I'm like, that's, that's awesome. And it's just so cute that he has that internal inclination that like he, he wants to do something for his father. My daughters have that internal inclination that like we, we want to do something. We want to make him a cake with all of his favorite things. Like my, my wife knows like she's planning the, the getaway for us. And she, she knows she wants, like we have that. We understand it's one of the ways that we show affection is with the things that we do with our time to demonstrate it, to display it. And birthdays are special because we get to just sit and receive gifts and just judge the gifts that are given to us. Christmas is different. Christmas is one of those times like someone gives you a gift and you have to give them something back. If you've ever been in the awkward situation where someone gives you a gift and you have nothing for them, like you, you know the anxiety of that. Or if you get them a really good gift and they get you like a dollar store gift and you're kind of like, oh, what happened there? there there's that feeling of like imbalance. Right? So, so we're familiar with this. And I bring this up because this whole inclination of I want to do something for you, but I don't know how much to do. Like what feels right? I, when, when the topic we're talking about today is serving. And for me, the beginning of my faith, because I was around church for a while, but there was a beginning that happened when I was 17, where my heart actually began to understand and turn towards God. And I felt so unworthy of giving him anything that my acts of service would never be enough. And so I I was hesitant to even start doing anything. But I remember after a youth group and we were in Georgia at at kind of a little bit of a smaller church. So we had youth group in a trailer that was outside of the church. They made sure we didn't wreck anything. But there was chairs that needed to be stacked. And I remember feeling like, man, I, I can at least do this. Like, there, there's a lot of things at church that probably wouldn't be appropriate if I did, but I can do that. But I remember feeling just even as I did that, like, how much does this really matter? Like, how much does it matter that I'm stacking chairs? Someone's alarm is going off. Haley, thank you. Haley, we'll figure out who it is. How much would it matter that I'm doing this? 
But within that youth group, I want to tell you what I saw happen in my spiritual life. When I felt just the smallest, smallest nudge from God about Paul, you go over and grab that chair, and I said yes to it. It was because of that that my youth pastor looked at me and said, hey, I'd like you to help on our, our student leadership team. And it's like, that's just a small thing. But then through that, it's like, okay, you get to help at youth group. And at one of the nights, you're going to help just communicate a little bit. And for someone who had a speech impediment through most of my life, just communicating a little bit was outside of what I thought I'd ever want to do. And because I helped stack chairs, and then I helped at the leadership team, and then I spoke a little bit at youth group, that then said, okay, when the youth group is doing the service for main church once a year and summer after summer camp, I want you to share a little bit, Paul. And then when I shared there, and then God used that, it brought me to a place that they said, once I started college, Paul, when you're home from college, we want you to speak one time at church on Sunday. And the progression began but it, to, to where I, I got put into this place where I get the amazing privilege to share the word of God with people. And there's been so many times where I've had someone come to me after church and say, it feels like you have a wiretap inside of our house because you're speaking right to our situation. You're speaking right to our heart of where our struggle is. And we heard God speak through you to us. So thank you for doing it. And nowhere along the way have I ever felt like I was worthy of being able to be used by God in that manner. But I want to tell you that if you do the genealogy of like my faith, of how it grew step by step, if you look at the development of how it went, it goes all the way back to a moment where I felt like, man, I just need to do something for the house of God. I need to do something for God. And right now it's just stacking chairs. But how much does stacking chairs really matter? How will God use it for his kingdom if I just stack chairs? But man, what blessings I would have missed out on. What incredible opportunities where my faith grew because I saw God work because I'd step out in different ways. But it all goes back to that moment of would I be willing to just do something as simple, as insignificant as stacking chairs? And I want to tell you that as we talk about service, you in your head and in your heart, you might feel some pressure from the Spirit of God of just step up and start this. And you might say, but that's so insignificant. But you have no idea the chain of events that God will set off as soon as we just start saying yes to God on the little things. That's where it starts. You want to see God part waters. You want, you want to see God do miracles. You want to see God do incredible healings. All those things are possible and still happen today, but I believe that in the life of his people, those start with the smallest of yeses. Today, we're going to look at a couple passages, and I apologize for just how stupid simple this message is going to be, but this is what we need to hear right now as a church, and it, it I'm going to try to make this more complicated because it's just too easy, but, but you'll see. 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 10, and we're going to put this up on the screen as I read it. And it says, God has given each of you a gift from his great variety of spiritual gifts. Use them well to serve each other. Now, as we look at this passage, I'm going to go through just a couple pieces, and I want to put some focus on on, on this verse so that we don't miss the importance of what's communicated to you here. It says, God has given, what does it say? Each, I just, I know you need one practice before you know you're actually allowed to say it with me. God has given, what did he say? Each. 
each of you, each of you, each one of you guys, God has given a gift. Go ahead and leave that up there for me, Drew. God has given each of you a gift. Every single one of you are included in this. Scripture teaches us that at the moment that you believe that you are a new spiritual creation, that God brings life where there was death. And one of the things that he does, as well as bringing you spiritual life, is he puts in you a gift. There's a grace that is given to you to make a difference. And if you within your head have discredited yourself from being able to be used from God because of what happened to you in the past, because of what you did in the past, I want you to understand you're not arguing with me, you're arguing with scripture because scripture tells you each one of you has a gift. Each one of you has a contribution. This is on display in the life of Peter. Peter was a fisherman. God can use a fisherman. God can use anybody. One of the gifts that was on display in Peter, I believe, was the fact that there was no filter between his head and his mouth. That can actually be a gift when God gets a hold of your heart tightly enough. And we see that when Jesus asked him, who do you think I am? He says, you're the Messiah. You have the words of God. Who else will we go to? Peter understood and he made the confession of faith. He also messed up at different times and his mouth would get him in trouble. There, there was lots of things that he didn't understand, but even as a fisherman, there are spiritual gifts in men like that that God will happily use. If you want to go on through the list, there's Matthew or Levi, who is the tax collector. Tax, collector, tax collectors, as you know, were hated in this day. They were considered to be traitors. They were cheaters. They would add taxes onto people's bill if they did not like you and they would pocket the extra. And they were working for a foreign government that was occupying their land. And so they were seen as traitors to their people, as traitors to God. Because the, the Israelites, the Hebrew nation, they were supposed to have their own nation not be controlled by anyone else. And if they were being controlled by anyone else, then it was seen that God was judging them. And so if you're working with them, you're working, on enemies of God, you're working with enemies of God. Tax, collator, tax collectors were hated. Matthew, the disciple, he was a tax collector. God can work through those people too. Or Luke, who is known as the good physician, well-educated, intelligent. That person was called in. God used him to write the book of Luke as well as the book of Acts and recorded what happened in the early church. Each person, it doesn't matter your education level. It doesn't matter if you feel like, well, my mind just gets in the way of me sometimes because I'm just so smart, Paul. You don't understand how difficult life is for me being so incredibly intelligent. God will still use you. And it's not an issue of, can you have your head right all the time? The issue is, will you say yes when God prompts you and pushes you to act and to serve? Because in each one of you, there is a gift. The tent maker, the apostle Paul, who as he did ministry, he worked with his hands in simple ways so that, so that he wouldn't be a burden to any of the churches that he was working with as he traveled. Men like that, God uses mightily. And throughout scripture, we see all different kinds of people, men and women, wealthy or poor, slave or free. God was working through all of them. Because in each person, he placed the, places a gift. And then the passage says, from a great variety of spiritual gifts. 
Within scripture, we see a couple places where there is a list of spiritual gifts, but none of those lists are meant to be comprehensive. And so even today, there are gifts that you might feel like, man, I feel like God has enabled me to do this in an incredible way. Or I feel like God is pushing me to do this and it's outside of my comfort zone, but it's not exactly listed as something that we see in scripture as a spiritual gift. God has so many gifts and so many varieties of gifts, and he has experiences that are in your past that he will help use to encourage the future of someone else. There's a variety of gifts that are supposed to be at work within the church. And then the instruction for these gifts are use them to make yourself look good. No. Use them to glorify yourself. No. Use them to make yourself puffed up. No. Use them to elevate yourself above other people. No. The purpose of the spiritual gift that is placed in each and every one each and every believer, going on to the next slide of this, is use them well to serve one another. Your gift is not for you. This is, this, is, this is an incredible thing to kind of think about. Like you have a spiritual gift and it's in your life. And, and realistically, when you use the spiritual gift that God has given you, it is kind of fun. It is fulfilling it feels like, man, I'm getting to do the thing that I'm designed to do. And when you discover it, it is all kinds of beneficial to your faith because it confirms the things that you've read in Scripture. When you get to see God work a miracle through someone just like you, it, it just it blows your mind for a minute. But all of those things, the spiritual gift really isn't even there for you. It's for you to serve other people. So what happens? When the church reclines to become an audience of watching spiritual gifts happen on a stage. When the only spiritual gifts that are on display within the church are the pastor and the worship team. We become crippled, we become corporate. You can walk in and walk out of church without feeling loved, without feeling cared for. You get sick and there's no one there to help you. You need someone to talk to and there's no ear to listen. You need someone to pray for you. But all you get is an email list. We understand how if the only spiritual gifts that were being used are the ones up here, that that is so problematic. And within you, not within the person next to you, not within the person a few rows in front of you or behind you, within you there are spiritual gifts that God desires to use to serve someone else, to serve someone outside of yourself. And I want to stir this up within our church some because we need you. When the body is missing one part, the whole body suffers. It's what 1 Corinthians 12 says, as the Apostle Paul is teaching. He says, you are needed. The church without you moves with a limp. The church without you cannot carry the weight that it should and could carry. Because within you, there is a variety of spiritual gift that is intentionally placed within the body of Gulfside Church, and it's needed.
you. How you are. Man, I'm going to tell you, when I started stacking chairs, I'm not even allowed to tell you all the issues that were going on in my life at that time. Like all, all of the problems, like you, you probably say, yeah, you probably should have stuck to stacking chairs. Like I get it. And that's what I'm saying is that right now, God is probably nudging you about an opportunity to serve somewhere. Now, I believe that God calls us to serve within his house as well as outside of his house. And maybe the present nudge isn't the one about inside the house. It might be somewhere else in the city. Because if we say that we care about lost people, but we don't know any lost people, then we don't care about lost people. And so we should be serving in, in quite a few different places. We should have connection points at different points throughout our life to people who are far from God and people who are close to God. But God might be nudging you to start on something simple as stacking chairs, but there's a reason and there's a progression for it. And the gift that he gives you, I want to tell you, will grow. Because at first the gift was he gave me a joy about stacking chairs. I loved it. I loved getting to do that. I loved getting to serve the pastor who was teaching me, Steve Brooks. He is actually, he was my youth pastor back in 1998, 1999. He's still youth pastor at that church. Still, like due, due to seeing grandkids of people who are in his youth group now. How crazy is that? I mean, like, it's, it's just amazing. But it was like an honor to get to serve him, an honor to, to get to serve the other kids in my youth group and to serve our church through something as simple as that. And it opened up a progression. And so whatever that progression starts with, it doesn't matter because God is going to lead you somewhere further. The gift that he gives you for this season, it can change. The gifts are not permanent. We, we see in 1 Corinthians 13, and so in 1 Corinthians 12, we see the explanation of spiritual gifts and the fact that the church is like a body. One piece is missing, the whole thing suffers. And then to 13 is the chapter on love, where it's highlighted that, that gifts, that, that tongues, they will cease. Spiritual gifts aren't forever. The spiritual gift that you have for this season, God might change it. God might give you a new gift and another gift. And what I've seen from experience is that when there is a need within our city, when there's a need within the church, and we say, God, I am willing to do this if you will meet me there. He says, yes, child, I will meet you there as you walk in obedience. I will give you every good thing that you need to be successful in the things that I call you to. And so spiritual gifts, they get added into our life. There's times of transition. I had a gift for students for a long time. And then God transitioned that. And I just, I know that that's not my calling anymore. Parents kept messing up the students that I'd fix. And so now I'm just working on the parents so that I can work on the students through the parents. Like that's how it goes sometimes. The giftings, they can change. The callings, they can change. And so you might say, you know what? I, my heart hurts for the kids in our church, but I just, I've never had that gift. See if God meets you there. See if God meets you there. You might say, there's some, there's some teenagers that play basketball in my neighborhood and I see them and I have a desire to see God move in their heart. I don't even know what to do. Do you know their names yet? Like get to know them. God might give you a gift to talk to them and you might not even realize it. It may not make sense, but if God gives you a burden, he's gonna give you the gift to see you through the burden. Romans 12, 6 the Apostle Paul is writing, and he's talking about spiritual gifts in a very similar way. And we'll put this up on the screen as we read it. It says, In his grace, God has given us different gifts for doing certain things well. So if God has given you the ability to prophesy, speak out with as much faith as God has given you. If your gift is serving others, serve them well. If you are a teacher, teach well. If your gift is to encourage others, be encouraging. 
If it's giving, give generously. If God has given you leadership ability, take the responsibility seriously. And if you have a gift for showing kindness to others, do it gladly. There is a sense in this passage of like, be all in. Um, I have this picture of, and I apologize, this is the best picture I could find. It's a lifeguard stand. This is actually at Tacoa Falls College, uh, where I went to college. And as college students, for a long time, we had a diving board there, but then the diving board broke. And so they didn't replace it. They just moved the lifeguard stand on top of it. And so that just became um, our diving board, as you would expect. And so we would jump off of there into the water and college kids, we'd do dumb things. We'd do it in the middle of winter just to get freezing cold, just to, just to have fun. And then we had some friends that came to visit us. And one of their, their kids was about, I think, like 10 or 11 years old. Uh, her, her name was Haley. And she so badly wanted to, to like to go do the jump. And, but she was afraid because you had to like clear, like, because you see, it's kind of shaped like this. You have to clear the bottom of it. And she was afraid to do it, but she wanted to, she climbed up and down like 10 times. Eventually I was like, I will stand under you. If you fall, I will catch you. But I know that you can jump eight inches forward and you're going to be okay. And so we did. And she jumped over me and she jumped into the water and she loved it. And, and she wanted to do it again. And she's like, will you stand there again? I'm like, yes, I'll stand there again. After about standing there 10 times, I'm like, dude, you don't need me to stand here anymore. She's like, I think I do. I'm like, I know you don't. I know you can jump eight inches. And so she finally got there to the edge and she went to make the jump without me being there. And she went <laughs> straight down. She, she was young. She flexed and bent in half really well, but she rolled and went into the water. No blood, thankfully. She kind of did like a handstand cartwheel roll down the thing and she was okay. But I remember being like, man, you can't commit halfway on something like this. Like you, you, you did it before in my presence and now outside of my presence, you've still got to make that full commitment. And in Romans 12, it's talking about like when you have a gift, when you have an opportunity to serve, like you've got to jump in with your whole heart. Like if you're going to prophesy, do it with all the faith that God has given you, which I love the clarification in that. You don't have to pretend to be more spiritual than you are. You don't have to move in your faith at someone else's level. Like the faith that God has given you, where you have, what you have right now, use it and use all of it. If, you, if you're going to serve others, do it with all of your heart, all of what you have. If you're going to teach, teach well. If you're going to encourage others, then be encouraging. If you're going to give, give generously. There's this truth that the calling that you have, grab a hold of it with both hands. Don't hesitantly approach the edge of jumping into what God has for you. Like, like you've got to be ready to go. Like, I'm going to do this. I don't have to be scared about it. God has called me to it. He's equipped me for it. He's going to see me through it. And so I'm not going to be hesitant about doing the things that God has asked me to do. Church, this is how we're supposed to serve. We're supposed to do it with our heart, with our joy, we're supposed to, supposed to take this gift that God's given us and as first, 2 Timothy 1.6 says, to fan it into flame, to, to take what's there and make it more passionate, to, to let it grow, let, let, let what encompasses around it be heated up by that gift. Because we know when we find those opportunities where we're really serving God, we're using what he's placed in our life, it makes the rest of our faith light up a little bit more brightly. And when the church can be categorized by a whole group of people who serve with their hearts and their passion. 
it, it'll grow not because of any wisdom, not because of any, any earthly power, but it will grow because of the Spirit of God is just moving contagiously between people. People look at it and they say, I want to be around that. I don't even have that yet, but I want to be around it. I want to see people who know how to love and care for each other. I want to be somewhere where it's not a show that I go to, but it's something that I'm a part of. And I want to tell you, COVID has moved a lot of the church in America into this kind of reclining position. And for safety purposes, I understand and I get, and I want you guys to you know, take the precautions you need to take. But we're getting back to a point where we have to look at the situation and ask, am I doing this because of fear or am I doing this because of a reason? And all areas and all churches across the U.S., people, you know, we, we stopped services, we stopped serving largely because we had to wait and see how bad was this thing and how bad is it going to get? And I want to encourage you to ask yourself the question, am I supposed to be serving now? Because some of the things that we're not, <laughs> we're, we're doing, I just don't, I don't think they're reasonable. And there's, there's tools that we can use to help us understand reason a little bit. There, flow charts are helpful to me. I don't know if you've ever seen a flow chart. I'm going to, I'm going to show you. Ben, I'm going to begin to wrap this up. Um, if you don't know how to read a flow chart, this will help you. Is this a flow chart? Yes. Okay, now you know how to read a flow chart. All right, that's, that's how they work. Go on to the next one. Um, some of them can be more complicated, but it's like, this is how a flowchart works. If you're playing Pictionary, you draw a picture. Did they guess it right? Yes, you win. No, repeatedly point to the same picture. You don't have to redraw, just keep pointing to it. Did they guess it? You win. Yes, great. All right, this is how flowcharts work. Are people laughing at your jokes? Yes. Are you in charge? Yes. You might not be funny. I feel that in my soul. Um, are people laughing at your jokes? Yes. Are you in charge? No, you might be funny. That's how flow charts work. Here, here's the important flow chart for you. Go on to the next one. Do you, I have a gift? Yes. God has placed in you a gift. And therefore, the next one, should I serve? Yes. I'm sorry, I wish I could make this more complicated than it is. But it's just that simple. Excuses are escapes from the will and purposes of God for your life. I want you to hear that clearly. Excuses to not serve in any area of your life That is you escaping the will of God for your life. You have a gift, and without it, the church is wounded. And so I want our church to model, I want our church to rise up into using the gift that God has given you. Because we have needs and opportunities within the house of God to serve each other. And I want to make it difficult for you to avoid the needs and opportunities because I know some of you are called to serve within the house of God right now and you're not doing it. Right here in the back, there is a whiteboard. And on that whiteboard, there's about 10 different pieces of paper. 
and it shows you when we get back to Island Coast High School, all of the places where we need people serving. And if one of those places match up with what you feel like God is nudging you towards doing, you need to just put your name down. Let God show up with the gift. Let God show up with the strength. But you show up right now with the willingness to say yes to what God asks you. Because this is what I know. We have kids in our elementary and in our preschool and in our youth ministry that are sitting here looking at me and being like, if that dude can plant a church, I could plant a church. I mean, if he can, I could. I'm smarter than him. We know that's how teenagers think. I need other adults that are going to pour into them and say, yes, you can plant a church in this country or any country in the world because God is faithful everywhere. We need adults who will push play on the video and sit with the kids as they hear about the love of God. We need people that are gonna be at our front door of our church that have a smile on their face and welcome people in because we realize people decide whether or not they're gonna come back to a church before they ever hear the pastor speak. And it needs to feel like love as they walk in so that they can hear and understand about the love that God has for them. And I know that people are gonna continue to come to Christ. People are gonna continue to get baptized. People are gonna continue to say yes to God within our church, but we need workers in the field. Make sure you mark June 20th down on your calendar. That's when we're gonna be back at Island Coast High School. But yeah, we're gonna need more workers there for that day. But I'm mo I am the most pumped up about some of the people who are choosing to get baptized. Like, I can't even tell you like how proud I am of you guys. And you're gonna get to see videos of their story and it's gonna just, it's gonna bring tears to your eyes of like what God has done. And I'm not gonna steal all that thunder right now, but I am gonna set it up that you're gonna wanna be here to hear those stories. But those stories are happening because Christians like you use their gifts. So will you say yes? Or will you escape once again the will of God for your life? Sorry, it's just that simple. And I know that God has so many great things planned for you when you say yes. So I don't mind applying that pressure. I don't mind it at all. Because the story that God writes in your life is going to be beautiful. Let's pray. Father, we thank you that you so love us that you sent your son. We thank you that you so love us that you put a gift inside of each one of us and that we get to be part of what you're doing here in this city. And where there's fear and there's hesitancy about serving, give us courage so that we get to see what's on the other side. Give us courage so that we can see you write a new story in someone's life. And give us courage because we know at the end it'll build up our faith as we see you work through us. And so we rely on your Holy Spirit to see these things come to completion. And we are so thankful for the way that you've loved us. In Jesus' name.